Question for you uh, this morning. Have you ever found yourself to be lost or maybe going in the wrong direction? Do we have the PowerPoint on that? We're lost with even our PowerPoint. <laughs> it happened to me the other day when I was driving. I needed to go uh, downtown, and uh, so I got on the 85, and instead of turning to get on the 87, I kept going on the 85. I wasn't thinking about it, because I was thinking, what am I going to say to the judge? Yeah, I had to go downtown to the courthouse to uh, be in a trial. I'll tell you about that later. I wasn't in trouble, though. <laughs> So I'm thinking about that and not thinking about where I'm going, and I'm heading down the 85, and I'm, I'm looking around, I'm saying, boy, I've never seen that before on the 87. When did they build that? I never saw, and then it dawned on me, I'm going the wrong way. Well, what happens when you find yourself going in the wrong direction? You stop and turn around, right? And I thought, isn't that true about our life, too, that Maybe we find ourselves headed in the wrong direction. And what we need to do is find the right direction. So where do you go to find that? Well, some people will go to church. They go to church because they're looking for direction for their life. Maybe something doesn't feel right. Maybe they're looking for some answers to some questions. And then they come to church and they hear about the cross. And they might wonder, well, how does the cross help me for what I need in this life? And the answer is, it's the starting point for us. That's where we find direction and purpose for our life. Today, as we continue our series of messages entitled CSI, Christ Seen or Crossing Investigation, we want to take a closer look at this question. What will I do with the cross for my life? That question comes to mind as we listen in on a conversation between Jesus and Peter as Jesus announced he's going to Jerusalem to suffer. From Matthew 16. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus was giving Peter some new direction for his life. You know, there's one thing that always gets me about what Jesus says. It's always true. Everything he says that's going to happen, it happens. His arrest, his beatings, his crucifixion, and his resurrection, it all happened because he said it would. 
And I think that maybe Peter knew that. I think he knew that every time Jesus says this or that's going to happen, it happens. And so that's why he became so upset when Jesus announced what would happen with him and the cross. And so he stands in Jesus' way. He literally takes Jesus aside, off the path, and turns him away from Jerusalem. And Jesus' response to him, get out of the way. You're a stumbling block. You are Satan. Now that, that's pretty heavy words, right? To call somebody Satan? Well, the word Satan means adversary. Somebody who is opposed to something. And so that brings up the question for us. What will we do? What will our response be to the cross? Will we oppose it or own it? Now we can maybe understand uh, why Peter said what he did. Because maybe we would feel the same way, right? I don't want my friend. I don't want my teacher. I don't want my God to suffer and die like that? No way, this can never happen. But Jesus said that was opposition. That was like Satan working to stop him. Jesus knew all about that too. You know, when Jesus was a little infant, Satan was trying to stop him. He got into the heart of King Herod and put such hatred in him that Herod sent his soldiers all through Bethlehem to kill all the little boys two years and younger. He wanted to put Jesus to death. Jesus knew what it was like to have Satan get in the way and to try to stop him when Jesus started his ministry. He was out in the desert for 40 days. He had not eaten. And the devil comes to him to tempt him to sin, to get over his suffering and his starvation, to take care of that physical need. And now, Satan's going to try to get at Jesus through his friends. And put that thought in Jesus, you don't want to suffer. Why would you suffer for these people who've done wrong? Would we oppose Jesus like that? Is there some reason we would say no to that cross of Jesus? Maybe we do. Maybe when things become so important in our life that we don't see the need for the cross. You know, why are you telling me about the cross? You know what I need help with is to figure out my finances. I, I need help, you know, the taxes are coming up soon. Uh, I need help with, with relationships. I need help with my job. All sorts of other things. Don't, don't keep taking me to the cross. There's other things that I need to deal with. Are we opposed to that cross? Not recognizing it's the starting point? What we should do is say what Jesus said. There is no other way. That's what Peter's argument was. Instead, we should say, get out of the way. Jesus said, new direction. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus didn't want to be tripped up. He did not want to be distracted from what God's plan was. He trusted that plan. 
even though that plan would mean he would have to suffer for things he did not do wrong. He was committed to doing that for us. I mean, it was the perfect plan. How else could we get right with God when our sins separate us? How else could we live in heaven if God's justice said the soul that sins must die? But instead, God said, my son must die for the sinners. That was the perfect plan. And so, in answer to the question, will you oppose the cross or own the cross, we want to own it. That is, we want to make it ours. It's been given to us as a gift. And so we simply need to trust that gift and to hold on to it because there's nothing else that can save us. There's a book in the Bible, a letter written to the Hebrew Christians. These were were Jews who now believed in Jesus. And they were starting to go in the wrong direction. They were starting to get lost. They were turning away from Jesus because it wasn't the way they thought it should go. Certainly, they need to be doing something, not just simply receive this. And the Christian life was getting too hard for them. There was persecution of Christians. So they wanted to turn away from Christ and and go back to their old ways. But the writer encourages them to hold on to Jesus. Here's what he said. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, heaven, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Don't set the cross aside. Hold on to it, because that is what gives us life. It is the best. Now, you know how we get bombarded with commercials on TV or radio or whatever. They're all trying to sell us whatever their project is, whatever their service is, telling us that this is the best. This is what we need. And sometimes we fall for that. Like the other night I was watching TV and there was a commercial on there for this cool thing. I won't say what it is because I don't want my wife to know because I thought that's exactly what she would want. So I thought, wow, I got my Christmas stuff done nine months early already. Wow. And she's going to love it so much she'll probably never leave the kitchen. Now, I said that first service, and she was sitting right there where Alan is sitting, and I could just feel the laser beams coming out of her eyes. But those commercials try to convince us, you need this. This will make your life so much better. And whether or not you fall for those things, the point is this. What we really need is the cross. That's what gives us the best blessing of all, eternal life. Don't oppose it. Own it. 
Hold on to it. It's given to you as a gift. Take it. Now, I think Jesus knew there was something else going on in Peter's mind, right? Because he said to him, You have in mind not the concerns of God, but human concerns. He was realizing that Peter was thinking something else. And it brings up this question for us. Do you want to replace the cross in your life with something else? Or will you embrace it? And to answer that question, we have to answer this question. What is it you're looking for in life? What do you want? We all want something. Uh, Maybe you want a little more money. Maybe you want a better job. Maybe you want better weather like we're having today. Maybe you want, I don't know, something better in your life. I think Jesus caught on to that in Peter's mind and heart because right after that he said this, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Whatever it is that we're looking for in life to make our life better, whatever creature comfort we want, sometimes we think we should get it. Because I'm Christian and God is supposed to love me, so he should get it. That is what I want. You see, we begin to confuse faith and being part of God's kingdom with living in this world. The Apostle Paul reminded us of this, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not what you have here. It's not what you get to enjoy here. It's not all the creature comforts here that show you the blessings of God. No, Being in the kingdom of God means you have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, and and that's the heart problem we have. We're so in love with the things of this world that sometimes maybe we're willing to replace this with stuff. In our Sunday morning Bible class, we're looking at this topic of how As human beings, we get so interested in the things of this world, we think that's where God is going to show us his love and his blessings. It's in stuff. But instead of the glory of this life, we should be looking at the glory that God puts in the cross. The hidden God is there in the cross, blessing us through suffering and hardship to bring us closer to him. It's just a reminder that the only solution we really need is the cross. And that solution is a solution. What is your need? What is it you want in life? We we all have things, and, and many of those things we have in common. But for sure, the greatest thing that we need and that we all have in common is to be restored to a right relationship with God. And the cross is the thing that bridges that gap that has separated us called sin. And now I'll tell you what you've all been waiting to know. Why was I in court? 
Well, it wasn't because of anything I did wrong. One of the inmates we minister to, because of a new law, was allowed to, be, to request to be resentenced. And so his lawyer asked if I would go and sort of be a character witness to talk about what I know about this guy and, and his character now. And so I was going to be the first character witness, so I'm thinking, what am I going to say to the judge? And that's why I missed the turnoff and was going in the wrong direction. Well, when I, when I testified before the judge, I said, I can tell you that he's not like most of the other prisoners that are there. He isn't filled with remorse, because they're all filled with remorse. Oh, I shouldn't have done it. Now look at the trouble I'm in. I said, he's filled with repentance. This guy acknowledges that he sinned against God, and he's sorry for that. And he knows he wants to do right, and in fact, he has been. And not just going to our Bible studies, but he's been like a model prince, uh, prisoner there, so much so that the head of the prisons in the state of California wrote a letter to the judge saying, this guy has got an absolutely clean record and deserves to have his time reduced. He only has two years left on his sentence. Well, the judge didn't care, the judge didn't agree, and he said, no, he's serving the rest of his sentence. So we were all kind of disappointed about that. And I wrote to the lawyer and I just said, you know, thanks for defending him and, you know, disappointing that the judge didn't see what we see. And he wrote back and he said, we know there's a difference between earthly justice and heavenly justice. In other words, we know that this guy is right with God and that's what really counts. And that's for us, too. That's for us, too. Despite whatever consequences we might experience in this life because of our sin, we're right with God. It reminded me of these words that the Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians 2. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, that is, going in the wrong direction, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Now, sometimes when I prepare my messages, I look at other Bible translations and how they express things. And there's one called the Passion Translation, in which the translator tries to bring out more of the flavoring of the original uh, Greek, in this example, words. And so it gets a little bit longer. But here's what he wrote about verse 14. I love it. It was just beautiful. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins are stained sold. He deleted it all. And they cannot be retrieved. Isn't that beautiful? No one can bring it up against us again. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. If you want to know God's love, it starts here at the cross. Here is the assurance of his love and every blessing 
That's why we go to the cross and embrace it. And so we should make it our first and our foremost quest to have that cross in our heart, in our life, to make it a priority. But there's one more thing that we need to ask ourselves. And it comes from Jesus' statement to Peter, you are a stumbling block to me. Again, strong words. But the question would be this. Are you a stumbling block or a building block? Now, a stumbling block is is basically an obstacle. It's something that gets in your way. Do you put something in the way of others coming to Christ? Now, when Jesus said, are you a stumbling block, the word he used there was scandalon. We get our word scandal from that. It was referring to a trap. Just like you would think of a a stick that's holding up a, a box or a cage or something, right? And there's some kind of a bait tied to it, and the little animal would go in there and take that food, and obviously he would end up pulling that stick and the box would fall down on him. That was the scandalon. That was the trap. But it was interesting that Jesus said Peter was the trap. He was the bait. The devil was using him to try to attract Jesus to go in the wrong direction and to give up the cross. And Jesus wouldn't fall for it. And he told Peter that he had become a stumbling block. Have you ever been a stumbling block to somebody in coming to Christ? Are there words that you could have spoken but didn't? Is there a prayer you could have said but you didn't? Is there something you could have given? Is there some time or ability you could have used so that Christ could be brought to someone? Do you live in such a way that you put a stumbling block there that people don't see Christ in your life? The truth is, God has quarried us out of the pit of sin and shaped us to be building blocks. He has saved us and put us together so that we can work together to bring Christ to others. Peter got the message. Years later, he would refer to Jesus and himself and believers in this way, from his first letter. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Do you see how you are a building block? Do you see how God has shaped you with your talents, with your time, with your gifts, so that you can build and be used by God to proclaim Christ? Is that the direction you need to go in? It all comes down to this. If you think you need some direction, a change in your life, if you feel lost with God, what are you doing 
with the cross. Own it. It's been given to you as a gift. Hold on to it. Embrace it. Don't replace it. This is the most important thing you need. And then build on it. For your sake and for the sake of others. Because from this cross, we have life. Amen.